Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Kathleen O, a recovered compulsive overeater, and your moderator this morning. Today is Sunday, May 2nd, 2021. The share ID for Friday, April 30th, or the share IDs for Friday, April 30th, are the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study Meeting, 16,863. That's 16863. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study Meeting, the share ID is 16,864. 16864. This morning, A Vision for You presents Completely Giving Myself to This Simple Program. The 12 steps represent a process of a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. The Big Book is a set of directions for doing the steps quickly and effectively. Most of us come to OA hopeless and looking for a way out, a solution which will free us from the pain and suffering. Simple but not easy. Recovery is not an overnight matter. There's no magic wand to wave where suddenly we are recovered. This program, this is a program of action. It's the 12, and the 12 steps teach us how to live. The big book says in chapter five, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. It's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We're not cured from compulsive overeating. What we have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And other-centeredness must be maintained in place of self-centeredness. Without this spiritual program of action, it's easy to sit back and rest on our laurels. The big book tells us we're headed for trouble if we do. Recovery requires a simple program of action, simple but not easy. We cannot stay abstinent by half measures and must give everything if we wish to recover. Following the steps allows us to achieve amazing results of spiritual growth. They work wonders in our recovery. And this morning to speak on the topic of this simple program is Mary B. from Arizona. Good morning, Mary B. Good morning, Kathleen. My name is Mary B. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Phoenix, Arizona. I am thrilled to be here this morning with all of you. Before I begin, I would like to read the St. Francis Prayer. Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred, I may bring love, that there, where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, that where there is discord, I may bring harmony, that where there is error, I may bring truth, that where there is doubt, I may bring faith, that where there is despair, I may bring hope, that where there are shadows, I may bring light, that where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. First of all, I'd like to thank Kathleen for that lovely introduction. When you started to 
introduce yourselves this morning before the recording. It brought tears to my eyes. And they are tears of joy, tears of gratitude that I've been saved from a disease that was out to kill me in one way or another. I will be reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, if you'd like to follow along with me. Please remember, we are all in this together. The reason I am here this morning is expressed so well by Dr. Bob, one of the co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, on page 180, in the story, Dr. Bob's Nightmare. I spend a great deal of time passing on what I learn to others who want and need it badly. I do it for four reasons. One, a sense of duty. Two, it is a pleasure. Three, because in so doing, I'm paying my debt to the man who took time to pass it on to me. And four, because every time I do, I take out a little more insurance for myself against a possible slip. I would like to welcome the newcomers and those who are still actively in the food. So glad you joined us. We are committed at a vision for you to helping others to find a solution to their problems. Step one, what was my problem? When I came to Overeaters Anonymous 30 years ago, I thought the problem was food. If I could just stop binging all the time, I would be okay. But as it tells us in the doctor's opinion on page XXVIII or 28, last paragraph on that page, I'm going to flip over there, okay. <clears throat> Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. In the first step, we are presented with the problem. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. I spent 65 years of my life proving that to be true. But at the same time, I just could not see it. Why? Because 
I lived in a state of belligerent denial, as is stated on page 568 in Appendices 2 in the Spiritual Experience. I struggled for years, attempting to try to stop the binging on my own willpower, not realizing, (laughs) because I was in denial, that I, I never had the power to begin with. On page 31 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the second paragraph states, Okay. Here are some of the methods we have tried. Drinking beer only. Limiting the number of drinks. Never drinking alone. Never drinking in the morning. Drinking only at home. Never having it in the house. Never drinking during business hours. Drinking only at parties. Switching from scotch to brandy drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever with and without a solemn oath, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums. We could increase the list ad infinitum. In my own experience, I, of course, tried all sorts of diets. The Atkins diet, the water diet, the banana diet, to name a few. I made up my own diet, which was eat bologna only, and I lost 20 pounds. I joined the pay and weigh 30 times. Every time a new diet would come out, I would try it. I went to church and was prayed over after the service and would go home and binge. I was in and out of counseling for 20 years. They gave me prescription drugs for depression. I thought these things would help, but they did not. I even tried going to Overeaters Anonymous meetings for 34 years. I tried Gray Sheet, 90-Day OA, How OA, and Regular OA. In Bill's story, pages 1 through 16, Bill talks about his progression into the descent of the disease of alcoholism. I can relate to Bill on so many levels. I wanted so much to be normal, to fit in. I always felt like an outsider. No matter where I went or who I talked to, or what I did, I felt like there was something terribly wrong with me. I would go on a diet and lose 50, 60, 70, 80 pounds in six months, only to gain it back plus more. And the weight would always come back on twice as fast as it came off. But here is the dilemma. While dieting, All that I can think about is when am I going to get my next fix, which always came in the form of a chocolatey, sugary food item, white-knuckling at its best. In the doctor's opinion, Dr. Silkworth 
after working with alcoholics and drug addicts for 20 years, explains why I suffered with this for so many years. Dr. Silkworth calls it the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, the double whammy. I believe I was born with it. In the doctor's opinion, he writes on page XXVIII, which is 28 in the first paragraph. We believe, and so suggested a few years ago, that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never, I want to repeat that, never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. I believe from my life experiences, I never had the power of choice. I remember as a young child, my mother, who was Italian, would cook Italian food. We would pass around the big bowls of spaghetti and meatballs and pans of lasagna. I would load up my plate and devour it quickly. She would serve ice cream for dessert, and I would lick the bowl. I never could understand why I would lick the bowl. I would always ask for seconds, and she would always say, there is no more. It seemed no matter how much food I ate, I was never physically full. I was always looking for something else to fill me up, not ever knowing or realizing what I was trying to fill up was the God-sized hole within me. I was always suicidal even as a young child. I would say to God when I would wake up in the morning, why didn't you let me die last night? I, I just wanted the misery to be over. And I buried myself with more food because the compulsion was so great. I tried getting a boyfriend many times, thinking that if I could get this guy to love me, I would be fulfilled as a person or a woman. I am here to tell you that just isn't so. What I was doing in actuality was trying to control the situation. I did not know my life was out of control and unmanageable as we talk about in step one. Well, I came to the realization I was too much of a coward to kill myself. So, as stated on page 25 in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, bottom of the page, If you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. 
And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. So now the question is, where am I going to find this spiritual help? Let us turn to page 45 in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. The first paragraph on page 45. Lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Obviously, but where and how were we to find this power? If you could flip over to page 55, we will discover where that power is. Okay, the first and second paragraph on page 55. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to uh, search fearlessly, but he was there. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there he may be found. It was so with us. I now would like to share how I found the higher power. When I was about two and a half years old, I was standing in my mother's living room in my little jammies. I guess it was intuition, but I realized at that moment there was something bigger than me that was outside of me. At that age, my vocabulary was very small, so I did not have a name for it. When I turned six years old, my mother sent me to the local Catholic grammar school to attend first grade. The nuns and the priests gave me the name, and it was God, Jesus, and Holy Ghost. Today it is Holy Spirit because ghost has a negative connotation. So I went to school at Santa Maria del Popolo in Mundelein, Illinois for eight years and attended mass at the church there for 18 years. Every Sunday morning, the Monsignor, who was the head of the parish, would give the sermon or homily. For a half hour in church, he would scream and yell at us at the top of his lungs that we were no good, we could not do anything right, and God was in heaven with a clipboard and a red pen, making a check mark after my name whenever, which I guess was quite often, 
I did something wrong. In other words, committed a sin against God. Growing up, I used to say to myself, why don't they do something about this screaming and yelling? Many years later, after I moved out of that parish, I heard they put him in an insane asylum before he died. I was not surprised. When I came to the 12-step program, June of 1983, and saw the 12 steps, I said to myself, any step with the word God in it, I will not work because God and I were enemies. On page 45, in the big book, last paragraph, it states, to others the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. The problem for me was I did not see myself having a working relationship with the God of my understanding at that time. It would have been impossible. How can we have a relationship with our enemy? Some years after being in the program, a guy shared at a meeting that now I had to find my own conception of a higher power. He suggested I get out a piece of paper and write down what characteristics I wanted in my higher power. So I did. I wrote, I want him to help me with my binge eating, my relationships, be my best friend, be there for me whenever I am in trouble. Now I was to take the piece of paper, fold it up, and put it in my pocket or purse. And whenever I came up against anything like some guy cut me off in traffic, my boss yelled at me or the like, I was to take the piece of paper out and read it. And after two weeks, I had a brand new conception of my higher power. One I could work with. In the past four years of attending a Vision for You meetings, my relationship has grown exponentially with my higher power. Today, he is truly my best friend. When it seems like there is no way of solving whatever problem I am facing, he is there for me. Over the years, of being an Overeaters Anonymous, I had gotten a sponsor on many occasions. But within 24 hours or less, I would pick up again and never call the sponsor back. I see how really selfish of me that was. Eight different times, on eight different occasions in a way, I got eight different sponsors and would read the first 164 pages of the big book together, not all at the same time. I thought when a person got to page 164, they were cured. And I would, of course, go back out, eat anything I wanted, thinking I would be as thin as I wanted. That is some real delusional thinking on my part. When I say I thought I was cured, I was telling myself I no longer have an allergy of the body or an obsession of the mind. 
I know now on page 30 in the big book, in the chapter more about alcoholism, the first and second paragraph. You get over. Most people have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. For years, I made continual promises to God and myself I would not do it again, only to do it again within a short period of time. My disease had me under some kind of a spell. I had no idea how much of a spell until I came to a vision for you. For many years, even after doing the steps several times, I did not understand the purpose of doing the fourth step. On page 64, the first paragraph, of course in the big book, <laughs> I'm almost there. Uh, okay. It states, therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. <clears throat> Excuse me. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods, to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. I still remember giving away my first fifth step in Overeaters Anonymous. It was some 38 years ago. I was nervous and my hands were sweating profusely. I thought for sure the next morning everything I told my sponsor at the time was going to be on the front page of the Chicago Tribune. So I went to it, pocketing my pride and illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. And that's a quote from page 75 in the big book, second paragraph. And back then, it was face-to-face. <laughs> so my sponsor was shaking her head up and down in a yes moment as I was reading the fifth step to her, saying, oh, I've done that. Yeah, I've thought that too. It gave me so much comfort. I discovered I was not alone in all my misery. 
I have since taken so many fifth steps from others in my role as a step guide or sponsor. And it still gives me so much comfort to know I am not alone with the things I have thought or done. As I stated earlier, we are in this together. On page 75, last paragraph, we are told what we need to do next after we um, give our fifth step. <clears throat> Returning home, we find a place where we be can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we have omitted anything. For we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? After doing what this paragraph suggested, I felt a whole lot of peace. On page 65, first paragraph, it tells us how to do, you know what? Page, let's see, step six. I apologize, that does not look right. That's not right. <laughs> okay. Hold on, folks. Let's see. Okay. I'm almost there. I apologize. I'm still looking for the page. Oh, here we are. Page 76. Okay. The first paragraph tells us how to do step six. If we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. We, as, we have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. We are now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable. Can we now take them all, everyone? I apologize. Can he now take them all, everyone? If we still cling to something, we will not let go. We ask God to help us to be willing. And as stated, we have now completed... Oh, I apologize. I read one more paragraph, which is step seven. When ready, we say something like this. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. But for me, it was only a beginning the beginning of a new life and a new way of life. Continuing on page 76, we will now do steps 8 and 9. 
Now we need more action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. Let's look at steps eight and nine. We have a list of all the persons we had harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. Okay. At, um, at that point, my sponsor asked me to make a list, which I really got from step four, of all the persons I had harmed and became willing to make amends to them. But as with most things in the program, it is a process. It took some time. I was to talk it over with my sponsor first before I make the, the amends. Also, I was to pray about each amends. I feel the biggest amends I needed to make was to myself. I had abused myself with food for 65 years of my life. For so long, I had lost touch with myself in the process with my higher power, and with others. But God has restored all of that. I hated myself so much, I would daily berate myself, saying things like, what's wrong with you? You are fat and ugly, disgusting. You are not sexually attractive at all. No man is ever going to want you. Why can't you control your intake of food? Where is your willpower? You are nothing but a big, fat slob. I am here to tell you this has, that this has changed dramatically. Today, I am my own best friend. I tell myself I love you and thank you for working your program. <clears throat> Excuse me. I do a living amends to myself by doing my part to stay abstinent, which is following a food plan and working with others. Now we are at step 10. I will read in the big book on page 84, second paragraph. This thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. 
Um, I, okay, where's that? Okay. I do my 10 steps throughout the day. I have built up a list of people from the vision line who are willing to take 10 steps. As with all the people I have encountered at Vision, they are an amazing, supportive, loving group of recovered compulsive overeaters. On page 86, the first paragraph, it tells us what to do when we retire at night. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time, or were we thinking of what we could do for others, of what we could pack into the stream of life? But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. Before I go to bed, I read this paragraph and answer the questions. I ask God for forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. I thank God for keeping me abstinent and proceed to do my gratitudes. I spend the majority of my day working with others as I am retired. Taking others through the steps is the highlight of my day. I have seen lives change and people go through the steps and reconnect in some cases with a power greater than themselves. It is an amazing thing to be a witness to. My suggestion to anyone who feels they are 100% hopeless Apart from human aid, as I was, please get on the Vision website. Look on the member list. There are thousands of people that are willing to help. I would like to spend some time telling you what happened to me almost four years ago, come this June. At this point, I've been going to Overeaters Anonymous meetings for 34 years. On May 30th, 2017, it was a uh, Wednesday morning. I will never forget it. I was binging. As usual, what else would I be doing? Halfway through the binge, I stopped and took the rest of the binge food to the dumpster outside my apartment. I knew if I threw it away in my apartment, I would be back into the trash can, digging it out, and shoving it into my mouth. After I did that, a voice came out of me, and the voice said, Mary, you're done, and tomorrow you're going back to OA. Others have told me they have heard the voice too. It put the fear of God in me. I knew a line had been drawn in the sand. I did not eat anything the rest of the day and count May 31st, 2017 as my first day of abstinence. I went to an OA meeting that day, was a face-to-face, and I got a copy of the outreach list. I asked a woman there who I had known about 20 years in OA in Phoenix to be my sponsor. 
she had about 20 or more years of abstinence and always had very moving uh, things to say in her shares in the meetings. So I knew she worked a good program. I was quite honestly surprised she had room to take me on as a sponsee. I got uh, her number and called her the next morning with my food plan. At that point, she explained to me she does not call her food into someone. I said, you don't? What do you do? I'd been calling my food whenever I had a sponsor, calling in my food. She said she writes down her food plan, and at the end of the day, she commits her food to her higher power, who is, after all, the ultimate sponsor. I have to admit, at first I was quite skeptical, but I tried it, and it worked. After all, through the years, I realized I was only trying to people-please my sponsor at that moment. The next day, June 1st, 2017, I started to make outreach calls from the list I had got at the OA meeting the previous day. I will never forget the lady that answered the phone that day. She was the sixth name on the list, and when she answered, she said she was not at the meeting that day. So I figured she probably would not even be open to talking to me. I could not have been more wrong. She started to talk to me, and somehow she brought up a vision for you telephone meeting. It was so funny. But the more she talked about the vision meeting, the more excited I got. Then she said the magic words. We study the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I, so I said, I'm in. I'd lived in Phoenix, Arizona for many years, and the majority of the OA meetings had stopped reading the big book in the meetings. I knew the answer lie in the big book. And I said to myself, a phone meeting? How is this going to work? I'd never been on a phone meeting before. Well, needless to say, she gave me the information to listen to Vision the next day. So June 2nd, 2017, I listened to Vision for the very first time. I could not believe what I heard. I never heard people talk like that in any 12-step fellowship. And I am a member of the Grandfather 12-step program also. I was amazed. They talked with such conviction. They said they were recovered but not cured. They gave me a lot of hope. At this point, I had three days of abstinence. The miracle that OA had promised me for 34 years was coming to fruition. For years in the meetings, I heard, come back for the miracle. Do not leave one minute before the miracle happens. Keep coming back. You're going to get a miracle. I've been attending meetings for years at that point and said to myself, when do I get my miracle? Don't I deserve a miracle? If you can believe this, two ladies stepped up that day, announcing themselves that they were available sponsors on Vision. I called both of them. One I left a message, the other I talked to live. It is amazing when you think of it 
uh, that we on, that only two ladies stepped up that day when we have so many available sponsors every day on Vision. So June 3rd, ironically, the anniversary of my attending my first OA meeting in Arlington Heights, Illinois, 34 years earlier, her and I started to read the big book together. I was amazed. I thought they had rewritten the book and the steps. I saw things I never saw before, and I had been reading the book in meetings for years. One of the many things I saw in the doctor's opinion, the allergy of the body and obsession of the mind never go away. They stay with me till the grave. Another thing, in order to keep what I got, I have to give it away. In order to win, I had to surrender. I thought this was ludicrous. Common sense would thus become uncommon sense. Another thing my sponsor told me is you do the steps just like they are written in the big book. Big book. No one ever showed me that how to do that, a tenth step, the way I was shown by the sponsor I had envisioned at that time. It was amazing. After my sponsor and I did the fifth step, I woke up that morning after the fifth step. And the obsession to overeat was removed. It was all quiet in my head. The food stopped calling me after 65 years of life. I experienced neutrality around the food for the first time. I have no other way to explain what happened other than God removed it. Because as we know, I could not remove it on my own. My sponsor and I went on to finish the 164 pages. I became a sponsor, which is an amazing thing. I have a sponsor. I lost 80 pounds. I'm still neutral around the binge food. I live in steps 10, 11, and 12. And if it is God's will, I will have four years of abstinence this month on May 31st. I hope and pray you do not find my sharing of this story in bad taste. Please allow me to once again thank the people on the vision line that every day when I call in, they are there to give service. I want to thank the people that have allowed me to sponsor them. I want to thank my sponsor. I want to thank the people that have picked up the phone and taken my 10 steps, taken my outreach calls, listened to me cry and moan when I didn't know what to do, when I didn't know where to go. They've talked me off the cliff so many times. I am so forever grateful, and I have every intention of paying you back. The only way I know how to pay you back is to work with others, to pass it on as it has been given to me so freely. I cannot even find enough words to say how much your service and your shares mean to me. I may still be an oversensitive, insecure rebel, but today I know the way out through the power of the big book and the steps and this fellowship. 
Thank you, Leah, for allowing me to do service. Please remember, I love you all. Thank you for being a part of my recovery today. Thank you for allowing me to love you and me allowing you to love me. God bless you all, and I will pass with that. Thank you, Mary, so much for sharing your experience and personal insights with all of us and truly so beautifully describing the simple program of action. We've given hope to those who are still suffering that we can recover from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Uh, Mary's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, and I'll now open the floor for questions for Mary. You can do so by pressing star one to unmute and identify yourself, please. Don B. Is that Donna B? Don B. Don Ken B. WH. Ken Barbara WH. E. Barbara E. Adriana <laughs> Okay, let's go with those. So, um, Don B, go ahead with your question, please. Yes, I really enjoyed the story, Donna. Um, I just wanted to ask you about the um, 11th step. I got off the phone, you know, before you did the 11th and 12th, and I just wanted to know how how do you do your 11th step? I read page. Oh, you hear me? <laughs> I Sorry. read pages. That's okay. Thank you for the question. I read pages 86 to 88 every morning for my 11th step. Uh, I have a set of prayers uh, set aside, third, seven, 11th step prayer. Uh, God grant me. Um, I ask God to please continually help me with my abstinence, help me throughout the day. Um, I surrender. I give up my selfishness. That's that's pretty much my 11th step in the morning. takes about 15 minutes. Oh, and then I do my meditation, my quiet time with God, which that can range from anywhere to 5 to 10 to 15 minutes. just depends how the spirit moves. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the question, Donna B. Go ahead, Ken W.H. Thank you so much. Um, Mary, the spirit moves wonderfully and freely in you. Thank you for your share today. <laughs> um, I had a question. You mentioned neutrality with food twice. Uh, what does that look and feel like to you? And how does how do food thoughts uh, come and go in that situation for you? Thank you. Well, I think thank you. I think I can best answer it uh, by page 80. Give me a half a shake here. And thank you for the question. Here it is. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time, sanity will have returned. We have seldom been, we will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we will recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. 
That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. This is our experience. This is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. One other thing, too, is if I did have a food thought, which I haven't for quite a while, it do, it's not about the food. It's about get on the phone and do a 10-step. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Ken WH. And Barbara E., your question. Mary, Mary, quite frank, <laughs> Mary. Barbara, Barbara. You. <laughs> you know I love you from the inner ear of my heart. And wow. you were everything I thought you'd be, God truly spoke through you. You referenced a lot of different pages in the big book. I was very impressed. So I'm asking you, did you write down the number of the pages for reference so that you could flip to them? Or had you memorized them like a gentleman in Arizona? Because I, I know you did a marvelous job of pointing out through the big book what you wanted to share with us. So I oh. really wanted to know, did you write down the pages? That's all. Thank, Thank you. you. And I love you. You know that. Thank you, Barbara. Same to you. And yes, um, it's so funny in preparing for this. <laughs> Uh, uh, it, I was my higher power said to me, "That's what I want you to use the book. Uh, I want you to, just, you know, read the book parts." And what I had done is I wrote them down. Uh, I have I'm not that far advanced in my recovery that I can memorize the pages. I wish I only wish. And, and thank you for the question, Barbara. Thank you so much. Thank you, Barbara E. And Adriana P., go ahead, please, with, with your question. Hi, thank you, and thank you, Mary, for your share. It was beautiful. Um, my question is, um, the big book talks about um, be quick to see where religious people are right and kind of letting go of our prejudices. And I'm just curious if after working the program of recovery, um, did you return to your religion? Um, and uh, kind of has your conception of God continued to expand? And that's it. Thanks. Oh, well, thank you for the question. Okay. Um, did I return? I guess I have to be honest that in my heart, I never left. Uh, it's just because of the, uh, you know, and I don't even like bringing up the situation of the COVID. I'm not able to attend services as much as I would like. And yes, absolutely, my, my relationship with my higher power just, it just grows day by day. Uh, it's just amazing how he talks to me and tells me that he loves me and lets me know he's with me. And it's just, he's, I just feel his presence around me throughout the day and definitely in the night when I get up to go to the bathroom. Yes, yes, it has. And I'm looking forward to it to growing more and more. Thank you. He's my best friend. Thanks for the question, Adriana. 
Okay, who else has a question for Bar for um for us this morning for Mary? Hi, this is Kim T in Denver, Colorado. Okay, Kim. Michelle O. My name is uh, Sarah G, and I have a question. Okay. <laughs> Michelle O, was I heard? Okay, I got me. I got you, Michelle. Thanks. Carrie K. Carrie K. And Nancy L. Okay, Nancy. Okay, we'll stop there. So go ahead, please, Kim T, with your question. Thank you. Hi, this is Kim T, recovered compulsive reader in, in Denver. Um, first and foremost, Mary, your share was wonderful, and I completely parallel your life. I'm just a couple of years <laughs> behind you. Um, I grew up in the same faith tradition. I mean, you know, I don't want to re relive your story because you did a beautiful job. Um, but anyway. It was incredible, and I grew up in Niagara Falls, New York, so not too far from where you were. Um, do you take sponsees all the way through page 164 or just working with others? And do you, I'm sure your practice has changed over the years, or maybe not, but anyway, how, um, you know, where do you end, and then do you just typically read the big book together, or what kind of structure? I guess is my question, do you use with sponsors? And thank mm -hmm. you so much. Oh, thank you. So, yes, uh, I, we believe that if you read the 100, first 164 pages with a sponsor or someone, that you will go through the steps, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous, which is what is needed in order to change, to experience the psychic change, so you can recover from a hopeless state of mind and body. Um, and I apologize. What was the second part of that? The second part is, do you have any structure, you know, because there's a bunch of formats. Oh, for myself? For work. Oh, absolutely. Others. Absolutely. Uh, there are things, yeah, there's absolutely some disciplines. I know we don't like that word uh, that I do every day. <laughs> prayer and meditation, 10th step, working with others, uh, nightly prayer and meditation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my gratitudes. Talking to my sponsor, um, talking to my sponsees, taking outreach calls, taking 10 steps. Absolutely. It's all a, a part of my day now. I look so forward to it. Thank you for the question. Thank you. Thank you, Kim T. And Michelle, oh, go ahead with your question, please. <laughs> Good morning, and thank you. My question is about the process of committing one's food to your higher power. I've heard about uh -huh. it a couple of times recently on the lines and the idea is intriguing. Um, I, I really related to your, your comment, well, am I just people pleasing? So if you could just talk through how that works for you at the beginning and the end of the day, I would appreciate it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, it's at the end of the day. After I've complete, eaten my last meal, then I, I have my, you know, I write it down. I commit it to God. God, this is what I'm going to have for tomorrow. Does that answer your question? Or I think I need the whole step. So it sounds like before you go to bed at night, you, pre, you plan what you will eat tomorrow. 
Yes. And then uh-huh. you eat it, and then so. Well, I commit it. Um, I commit it. Yeah. Can you at night? I commit it. Yeah. To God. I tell God. Okay, God. This is what I have for. Yeah. I'm sorry. I will eat this tomorrow, God. And then, is there ever a? Yes. Uh huh. Exactly. Okay. Yes. All right. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Thanks for the question, Michelle O. And Sarah G. What is your question for Mary? Mary. I'm so glad that you told me that you were talking today. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've known you a little bit uh, through the California, the Monterey meeting, but this was just awesome. So my question has to do with the 11th step. Uh, I, I'm good about at night and in the morning, but not so good in between. Is there something that you might recommend or that you do for yourself during the day to keep yourself in contact, conscious contact with a higher power? Oh, absolutely. Good question. Yeah, and and, and so good to hear your voice there. Uh, yeah. yeah, he he says in here, he says on page 86, um, we ask God to direct our thinking throughout the day uh, if we come up against something, uh, uh, um, a decision or, you know, some kind of struggle, you know how we are, how life goes. We are to pause. We are to ask God, what, what's the best, you know, what do you want me to do in this situation? He might say, we'll call somebody, uh, say a prayer, uh, make an outreach call, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I, I, yeah, I use it throughout the day. But again, I just hear his voice and feel his presence throughout my days. We're like Mutt and Jeff, you know, we're connected to the hip. And it's just developed over time and keeps developing. And um, it's amazing how, yeah, how it works. Thank you for the question. Thank you for coming today. Thank you, Sarah G. Jerry Kay, your question. Go ahead, please. Hi, I'm Carrie Kay, and I uh, this is the first time I've shared, and this is the first, and then I'm new to vision, and uh, I've only been listening for two weeks, and I missed a couple days, but um, I guess I really don't have a question for, um, for Mary, but I have a question. What is the number for the recording? Because I got so much out of what she had to say, I'd listen to it. I'd like to listen to it again because, um. It's right where I'm at right now. And it really has helped me a lot to hear you today. And I was, God put me in this meeting for a reason. And I'm really blessed to hear that. And I thank you so much, Mary. And if I could just, I don't know if you say the number again at the end, because I'm so new, I don't know. But if I could get the number for the conference call, I'd like that. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have it, Kathy O? I do. Okay, thank you. The recorded number is 712-432-5203. And I'll also, Carrie, be giving the share ID at the end of the meeting if you want to listen <clears throat> to this one recorded, too. Okay. Um, Nancy L., go ahead with your question, please. Oh, thank you, Mary. Wow, that was a wonderful um, 
story and recovery. Wow, it's just beautiful. My question is, um, this is Nancy L. in Arizona. And my question is, um, do you or have you ever had bad feelings or thoughts or resentments about the years that you were in the other meetings? I think you said at one point they just stopped reading the big book. And if you do have those negative thoughts or feelings, how do you deal with them? Thank you. Oh, thank you. And it's good to hear your voice, Nancy. Uh, yeah, um, that's a very, very good question. And it's amazing that I didn't, you know, I didn't feel that way. Towards the end, I was really getting a little, um, I hate to use the word, PO'd because they kept telling me to keep coming back. You're going to get a miracle, you know. And I'm like, well, for Christ's sake, when do I get my miracle? But no, I, I just, because God provided. He, he got me in touch with a vision for you. They study the big book. There it is. It was God. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Thank you, Nancy L. And who else would like to ask Mary B. some questions this morning? Open for names, wanting to ask questions. Annabelle V. Annabelle. Nora D. Roslyn C. Toby W. Toby. Anyone else? Okay, well, let's go with your question, Annabelle Z. Go ahead, please. Yeah, hi, thank you. Um, this is Annabelle Z from Washington. Uh, I have a question about if you could say, what is the the single most, there's one thing you could really say, and I know it's God is the answer, but was there a moment? <laughs> Was there a moment that you felt was the thing that you could attribute to that full-on lift of the obsession of the mind? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what was there? Is there one particular thing that you said that really was what lifted the obsession of the food thought? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, very good question. And it was it came at a surprising moment. Um, I like I said, came to Vision, got a sponsor, and it, we, it, within two or three weeks, we were already in the uh, fourth and fifth step. We read, you know, we met every day for an hour, read the book, and I'll, I'll never forget it. I woke up that morning after her and I had done the fifth step, and and my mind was it was clear, it was gone. The food wasn't screaming and yelling at me and dictating my life. You know, uh, it was. It was an amazing thing. I didn't even know what it was. I thought it was going to come back in two or three days, and thanks be to God, it has not returned. Thank you. Wow, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Annabelle Z, for your question. And Nora D, go ahead, please, with your question. Is she there? Oh, yeah. yeah. Star one star one to unmute Nora. I think it was Toby D. Toby W I mean. 
I have you on here, Toby, but I had I thought I had Nora D first, and then I have Rosaline before you. So I'll maybe I didn't hear Nora. Pretty sure I heard Nora. I'll go back. So um, Rosaline, go ahead with your question. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay, thank you, Mary. Thank you so much for sharing your strength and hope. Um, it is really an awesome testimony. And I just have one question I'd like to ask you is, you described um, making a phone call to two to two people in the uh, vision. One answered and one did not. Can you describe how it felt when you did get that answer? Because I think it's very important when you said uh, there are so many people out there, but you only got you know, one person to answer. Can you just, you know, can you just go? Yeah, that, that's uh, a great, great question. Um, yeah, it was so funny that day, uh, which uh, two ladies gave their names. I wrote them down and I called the first lady and um, she, I, I had to leave a, you know, a, um, a message on the machine, which is fine. So I tried the second lady and I got her live and we talked and she was willing to take me on. God bless her. Yeah, so that's what happened. I hope that answers your question. Yes, it, it does. Thank you very much for the answer. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, you have a wonderful share. I mean, it touched my heart. And, and uh... Thank you. Thank you, Rosaline. And do we have Nora D. back yet? Okay, so let's go ahead with you, Toby W. Go ahead with your question, please. I'm sorry I interrupted. Um, oh, my no name worries. is Toby and W from the Boston area <clears throat> with a frog in my throat this morning. Uh, thank you, Mary. I really appreciated your your talk today. The question I have is uh, sponsoring. Um, how long does it take? How long do you does it take for you, for you to take somebody through the twelve steps? And the second part of it is, do you continue to talk to them afterwards? Oh, good question. Good question. Well, here's the story. If we make an appointment and they show up every day, pretty much, you know, I, you know, I know some people's things happen, then we can hopefully get it through it in a month or two. Um, and once we get through the 164 pages, we set up an appointment for them to call me once a week for a check-in or as needed. But my prayer is that they're putting their name out on the vision line and they're sponsoring. And that, that's okay. That's all I got. Thanks. Thank you, Toby W. Okay, we have time for some more questions for Mary B. Who else has a question? Christina J. Christina. Jocelyn C. What was your first name? Jocelyn. Jocelyn, okay. Uh, Gail B. Is that Dale B? Yes. Okay. Who asked? Okay, okay. 
Okay. Okay. So let's go ahead with you, Christina J. Go ahead, please, with your question. Yes, Christina J. from the state of Washington, recovered by God's grace today. Mary, I love you. I love getting your little messages that you're making a step, step. <laughs> Rarely available, but I know you're going on to the next person. Um, yeah, so I started listening. I didn't quite know who it was because I came in late, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's Mary B. But at any rate, uh, I have nine yeah. and a half months now, and oh. what I'm finding is that some deep emotional shit is coming up. And I think it starts, it started for me about four months in, the white, you know, the pink cloud floated away, and here was, beneath the crust from the fourth step was the deeper stuff. And Mm -hmm. I find that I'm really going through it. And um, so you've got four years in, tell me, does it get better? Does does this stuff, you know, every day I go to my higher power, and he gives me wonderful, <laughs> loving messages. But I find that there's just more and more and more. And it's, you know, it's been 62 years for me. So I know there's a lot of stuff, but I find yeah. grief and, oh. um, you know, all this stuff. But, uh, you know, of course, my saving grace is working the steps and reaching out. But does it does it start to, you know, ease up? Thank you. Chris, thank you for the question. Christina, when I heard your name, I knew I was I knew I was going to get it. And I'm so glad. Thank you, my dear, for being in my life. Okay. Absolutely. You know, and someone in our fellowship, and I don't like to drop names, says fairy dust. I wish I could just throw a little fairy dust your way and it would make it all better, you know, heal up all the wounds. But it it didn't work that way for me. It, I've been in program 38 years uh, come June. June 3rd, can you believe it? Oh, my gosh. And uh, no, 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 it's just, it's, 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 tough. there's a reason for it, I believe, I believe. And you might not like it either way, but uh, it's, we need to learn a lesson. There's something I need to learn. That's why I'm going through this horrendous at the moment seems like pain. But my suggestion is just keep doing it. Congratulations. I think you said on the nine and a half months of abstinence and yeah, and we're doing this together. You're not in it alone anymore. Thank you. Thank you for your question, Christina J. And Jocelyn C., go ahead with your question, please. <laughs> Dar, want to unmute Jocelyn? Yes, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Um, Good morning, everyone, and thank you, Mary, so much for inviting me this morning. You know, I've listened to A Vision for You uh, before, off and on, but now I see the importance of really making that um, commitment to listening every Sunday. There's so much to be gained, and so I just wanted to thank you for your beautiful share today. I'm always amazed at the shares, particularly your share, Mary, because it's a story of perseverance, and that's what we're going through. I've been in for a year but still have a long way to go. So my question is, what is the most important thing that you would say to a newcomer right now? Boy, that is a good question. What would be the most important thing I would say to a newcomer? Um, Well, I guess what the thought that comes to mind is, have you had enough? Have you exhausted your? Have you exhausted your ways of of uh, 
having the binge eating, uh, you know, because that's I had to come to the end of that road. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And are you willing? I know you only asked for one, but are you willing to do whatever it takes for this merciless obsession to be lifted from you? Has it, you know? Well, you know, I'm going to stop right there. I'll pass. <laughs> Thank you, Jocelyn C., for the question. Okay, mm. Gail B., go ahead with your question. Star one to unmute, Gail. Okay, sorry. Thank you, Mary, okay. for your um, share. It was just so heartfelt, and um, I really enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it. And I have had enough. <laughs> you just said that. I've had enough. <laughs> I have had enough. Um, the question I wanted to ask was that prayer, that St. Francis prayer. It was so beautiful. Where can I find that? Um, do you? Well, you could probably go online, too. Uh, do you have a copy of the AA 12 and 12? Yes. Okay. It's on page 99 in there. In the Alcoholics okay. Anonymous 12, by 12 Steps, 12 Traditions, yeah. Thank you for the question. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Gail B. And Faye F., go ahead with your question, please. Star one to end. This is Faye from Massachusetts. And thank you so much for your share this morning. My question is specific around step four. How long does it take in visions to get through step four? Oh, step four? Um, thank you for the question, Faya. Um, that is, for me, kind of hard to answer. There's a lot of, uh, con- you know, contributing factors to it. Um, is this the first time the person's ever done one? Um, you know, or is this the 30th time? You know, it's, it's, it just depends on the person and the situation. I wish I had a better answer, but that's all I got. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Faye, for the question. Um, and we have time for a few more questions. Um, would anyone else, does anyone else have a a question they'd like to ask Mary. Kathy M. Kathy M. Bravo. Who who is that? Can you say your name again? Shelly D. Shelly D. Okay. Understand. Okay, I think we're going to have to stop there. Did I hear a Did I hear a Barbara? Yes, Barb W. Barb W. Okay, okay, let's stop right there. So go ahead, Kathy M. With your question, please. Uh, Kathy M. Uh, Recovered compulsive reader. Um, thank you, Mary, for your sharing. Um, I got a lot out of it. Um, uh, what do you do uh, with a sponsee who is picking up the food as you are taking them through the steps in the book? Thank you. Okay. 
thank you. Good question. Uh, what has been suggested to me by my sponsor and other members of uh, Vision is uh, when they re um, okay they pick up, we go back to the doctor's opinion. No matter where we are in the big book or what step we're on, we're going back to the doctor's opinion. And if we have to continually do that, then that's what we have to do. We have to go back. Because it's a step one issue. There's, they, uh, they've not realized that they're powerless over that food. Yeah. Thanks. That's all I got. Thank you. Thanks for the question, Kathy M. Barbara W., your question, please. Hi, Barb W., gratefully recovered in Illinois. Um, Mary, thank you so much for this morning. My question, step 10, do you use a format? I feel myself tangled up in piles of paper. And it becomes <laughs> an instrument. I don't think I need to keep a catalog, but um, I do, I'm curious. I, yeah. I am, I'm pretty newly recovered. Thanks. Oh, okay. Um, well, it has evolved and has changed, as you know, as most, most everything I've done in this program has. Um, yeah, I, it's quick. Um, I call somebody they, and ask them if they'll uh, take my 10 step. I give them the, the resentment or the fear, the anger, uh, the cause. You know, I make it as brief as possible. And um, where am I being selfish, dishonest, res, um, like, uh, self seeking, or afraid? And then I say, well, I'm going to quietly ask God to remove this. Uh, while they're on the phone, and then I say thank you, and for my service, I will make outreach calls, call the newcomer. Yeah, real quick, yeah. But you have it on paper prior. No, I do not. I I, okay. I don't know whether, you know, I'm not a big write-it-downer, <laughs> although I know people do that, and nothing against it, nothing against it at all. I'm better off thank at you. let me just talk it out. <laughs> Thanks yeah, so Thank much. you. Okay. Thanks for the question, Barb W. And Shelly, go ahead with your question, please. Hi, I'm Shelly D. in Pennsylvania. Mary, thank you so much for your beautiful share. Um, I didn't, I missed the first couple minutes of the introduction this morning, but I heard your voice and I recognized it immediately. Um, it's very beautiful and distinctive, so thank you. Um, obviously, I never called my vision sponsor back. Uh, I ended up uh, not really doing what was hoped for me to do after I finished my step work through the book. And so then I... Oh. Um, I, I apologize. I can't hear you very well. Oh. Could you repeat that? Oh. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Oh, there. That's better. Yes. Okay, I I'm sorry. I said that I um I wasn't I didn't do the right thing. I didn't I didn't follow through after I got done all the step work in the big book, um all the forms, all the four step, all everything that was so heartfelt that I went through and then I didn't follow through. Uh, follow mm -hmm. through for me. I guess my question. I don't really have a question for you. I guess I wanted to just thank you, really thank you from the bottom of my heart for for starting me out on my path with vision. Um, but I also wanted to say, how do you feel about countries that just fall off the planet and stop calling? And you know, what do you do? Do you do you reach out or do you pray for pray for us? Boy, ex excellent question. <laughs> excellent question. You know, uh, for the longest time, um, 
it broke my heart. And of course, I took it personal. You know what I mean? And nowadays, if they do fall off the planet, I usually either I voicemail them or send them a text. Hi, how's it going? Uh, I'm still here for you. Keep my number for outreach. Yeah, and that's it. And I pray for them because I don't want to see anybody die from this disease, you know. I don't want anybody to go through what I had to go through. But it's not, it's not about me, you know. But that was an excellent question. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Shelly D. Um, okay, we probably have time for one or two more. Anybody have a burning question for Mary? Uh, Andres J. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead then, Andres. Uh, thanks, Mary, for your share. Uh, what is your kind of quick go-to uh, if you feel you don't have, you don't find the willingness to do uh, some of the stuff you've got to do in program, the step work? You know, you're telling me. <laughs> good. Oh, yeah, good what question. Is the, what's your favorite at the moment? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, if I have to, I'll scream and yell, God, please send me the willingness. I need help and I need it right now. <laughs> No messing around, God. Let's, you know. <laughs> yeah. But then I have to take the action. I have to take an action. You know, I can't just sit there. Uh, one of our members says willingness is overrated. <laughs> it's take action. Thank you for the question. Thank you. And thank you, everyone who has questions this morning. And thank you, Mary B., for your service this morning. Um, thank you so much. And I just want to let everyone know the share ID for today's special edition May 2nd meeting is 16,872. That's 16872. And I'm going to close. I'm going to end the meeting this morning um, with page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.